If you'd like to learn about ways to experience more happiness, joy, enthusiasm, and optimism out of life, then this podcast is for you. If you're like me, you know your mind can be your best or your worst friend. Our mind is an amazing tool that can do incredible things, but our mind can also create problems out of nowhere. Sometimes our mind keeps recommending the same solutions to problems even when they aren't working. I see this pattern play out as individuals try to overcome their anxiety, depression, or even struggles with pornography, using approaches that make sense but aren't very helpful. This podcast will show you how real researchers and clinicians are changing the way we approach mental health and reveal helpful research-supported principles designed to help real people with real problems. My name is Dr. Cameron Staley, and welcome to the Life After Series Radio. So we're going to change it up a little bit for this podcast. The last two, we reviewed the emotions of shame and sadness and the ones associated with those from despair to grief to loneliness. And those can be pretty heavy. Those are challenging ones to sit with and work through. And those are ones I have a lot more experience with because typically those are the emotions that people are experiencing that they're having a difficult time with. And that's often what brings them into counseling. But today we're actually going to go over the emotion of happiness. And this is not typically an emotion that somebody comes into therapy for to say, hey, I've been feeling really happy lately. Can you help me manage this better? I'm just happy all the time. And that's typically not the case. Um, But I do appreciate there are many different approaches to mental health and wellness. And for a long time, there's been such a focus on reducing symptoms and managing distressing thoughts and emotions. But there's also a positive psychology movement, which is more focused on cultivating positive emotions and looking at your strengths and values and really using that as a way to improve your mental health. There's a lot of good research outcome studies about how helpful that that side can be as well. So I do feel like it is important to understand and get comfortable with some of the more challenging emotions like shame and sadness. I think it's just as important to be able to understand emotions like happiness so we can have a balance between the happy emotions and the sad emotions. So the more we can understand happiness and the emotions around that, the more we can engage in activities to cultivate those more in our life. So as a review, this is coming from Dialectical Behavior Therapy, Marsha Linehan's work from her, motion, from her module on emotion regulation. So let's talk about some of the emotions that are associated with the emotion of happiness. So there can be really strong variations. So I'm someone, I, I don't think I would classify myself as experiencing a lot of happiness. I wouldn't say I'm a happy person. And yet as I think about some of the variations of happiness, I experience those on a fairly regular basis. It's just more of the subtle ones. I don't often experience a lot of the stronger, more intense ones. So let's talk about some of the really strong ones and then review some of the more subtle ones. So a strong kind of variation of happiness is joy, enthrallment, bliss, being thrilled, even euphoric, 
It can also be the experience of triumphant or jubilation or zaniness. It could also be zest or zeal or rapture. Those are really strong um, kind of degrees of happiness that I experience those from time to time, but I think for the most part, my emotions are a lot more kind of in that middle ground, a little more muted. But there's times in my life where I experience true moments of joy. And often those for me typically occur in the context of relationships. And when I'm seeing my kids excel after a challenge or training for a sport or working really hard to learn how to read or um, acquiring a new skill, for me, just seeing them excel um, can bring in so much joy. So other ones that are maybe a little more subtle that we wouldn't associate as much with happiness are things like enjoyment or feeling content. So I think if I had like a default emotion, I would say it's content. I'm mostly content most of my day. I'm pretty low maintenance, not a lot of highs, not a lot of lows. And I'd say it's pretty content. And it's helpful for me to identify that because I would not have really associated that emotion with happiness. And yet, when I think about it, I quite enjoy being pretty content, pretty satisfied with my life. That makes me happy. That feels good. Other emotions can be relief. That's often an emotion that I feel after I've worked really hard on a project or on a publication or some yard work. Um, I like to build different things. Um, and sometimes when that pressure, or that stress of I hope this really comes together um, is done, I often feel a sense of relief. And that relief can be quite powerful and quite satisfying as well. I also enjoy life. I, I, I spend a lot of my time with spending, or I guess thinking about very serious things. And I actually enjoy that. I find that quite meaningful taking time with the really significant, serious things that people have gone through and encounter. But I also think life is pretty amusing. And that's another variation. I find a lot of amusement in life. I think how our minds are built can be amusing. The things we tell ourselves, our actions, our choices, um, I, I find living amusing. And I think I need to do that to have a balance where when I'm working with pretty heavy things, I'm in a counseling or therapeutic context, I gotta find moments where things can be light, where we can joke, where we can laugh. So for me, I know I had a really good session when things got heavy, things got deep, maybe a tear or two was shed, but also we laughed. Um, we could see the lighter side as well. And for me, that, that variety that you're spanning that range of emotions, for me, is the epitome of wellness. Um, that you don't have to avoid the negative, scary ones. You can experience those fully. But also you can pop out of those and fill the happy ones too. Um, for me, that is like tremendous flexibility in that realm. Another variation of happiness is hope. And that one can be a really loaded emotion for a lot of people, which may be surprising to think about that. So I'm a very hopeful person. I always hope that things are going to get better, that Things are, people are going to come together, that things can improve over time. So I really cherish having a lot of hope. 
what I found is people that have experienced really negative or traumatic things in their life, that hope can be scary. Where it's like, I really might want my partner to be there for me or for my kids to excel or to graduate or get this promotion. But hoping for it, if I don't get it, can really be quite crushing for a lot of people. So I've worked with many who try to avoid feeling hope. And when you deprive yourself from that emotion, it kind of protects you from getting let down, but it also prevents you from feeling a lot of the happiness and energy associated with that emotion. Hope can be quite motivating and improve your work and your energy and make it more likely that things are gonna work out well. But if we kind of limit ourselves from feeling that emotion, that can get in the way. So hope, even though I love it, it can be a challenging one for many people. Other ones can be cheerfulness. I think as I reflect on my partner and the qualities that she possesses, I think I was really drawn to her because she was a really happy person and she's very cheerful. And I didn't experience that level as consistently and I was quite drawn to that. It's like, wow, you, you're cheerful. Like you're a happy person all the time. And I find that I enjoy being around people that are cheerful or happy. Maybe not people that are like over the top zeal or jubilant. That's a little too much for me. The people that are maybe a little higher on that continuum that are cheerful. I really enjoy being in their presence. It's just like kind of basking in sunshine. It's, it's quite warming, quite fulfilling. It's easy to be around those people. Other emotions associated with happiness is being silly, being jovial. For me, I know I'm in a good mood when... I can tease my kids and we can play tag in the backyard and we can have some potty humor. I got little kids, so they really think anytime dad says potty humor is really funny. Um, my partner doesn't think it is as funny, um, but I really enjoy it. For me, just being goofy, being silly, joking around, that's one of my favorite ways to connect with people. I really like having deep, genuine, intellectual conversations that are connecting but I also just like teasing people. I like joking with them. So people that don't know me as well might be like, wow, you're pretty sarcastic or teasing me quite a bit. Um, and I tend to only tease people that I feel quite safe with, that I have a relationship with. So unfortunately, that's my close friends and family. They probably get my harassment a little bit more than other people. If I don't know somebody as well, or um, I don't know, I don't feel as secure with them, I'm probably not gonna be um, as jovial, as silly, kind of goofy with them. But for me, that brings about a lot of happiness. Delight is another one. So I've noticed a lot more moments of delight during um, this pandemic where we have less access to certain things and we're restricting how often we're going shopping for food. So every time we do go shopping, so we try to go um, like twice a month, so we try to get good fruits and vegetables and then that <laughs> we eat those pretty quickly. Um, but when I see a, a bunch of bananas sitting on my counter, my emotion is delight. I'm just like, wow, what a delicacy. There are some bananas that I can eat and then they last for a couple of days because we're so, so excited to see bananas. But I'm starting to cherish those moments of delight where it's like, oh, I can just stare at that banana on my counter and that looks wonderful. I'm, I'm so grateful to have access to a banana, and that's wonderful. 
Other emotions, which this one kind of surprised me, it's on the list, but it's optimism. I've always kind of thought of that as an attitude because I would describe myself as a very optimistic person. I always think that if we work hard enough, we can achieve it. And so I, I tend to take on more projects without maybe thinking through them fully. So like doing a podcast or creating the Life After Pornography online program. I thought, oh yeah, I could put that together in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Um, that took me a good solid year of my life putting together that program. because I wanted it to be thorough and research-based and make sure there was a workbook and recorded audios and mindfulness activities and make sure it covered all the facets of people struggling with pornography. It took me a year to work on that. But honestly, I enjoyed 95% of it. Um, the 5% was probably recording videos. That's not my favorite thing. But the actual work, putting it together, um, I did enjoy that. So um, that is something that brings about those feelings as well. Oh, I kind of got sidetracked there. Um, but the emotion is optimism. So for me, I tend to take on projects because I'm fairly optimistic that they're going to turn out well. And it's helpful to think about that, that that's a type of happy emotion. And that that is also predictive of good health outcomes. People that are more optimistic are probably more likely to eat better, engage in exercise, do healthy coping like mindfulness or going on a walk or being present um, versus people that are more pessimistic tend to engage in more negative kind of coping strategies overall. So even though I may not always anticipate the time required on projects like hosting podcasts or creating online programs, I'm probably going to keep doing them because they make me happy and I enjoy the feeling of optimism. So along with that is eagerness. So I'm someone who really enjoys projects. I enjoy getting tasks done. I like the feeling of being eager. So it's springtime. Um, we were able to get some raspberry starts from a neighbor that they've been growing behind their fence. And I couldn't wait to plant those and to put some stakes in and string up some rope to get those raspberries to start growing really well. Um, I enjoy feeling eager to work on a project. That's really fun. So along with that, pleasure is a type of happiness. And you can derive pleasure from all kinds of sources, from interactions with relationships, physical pleasure, from eating to sexuality, to enjoying accomplishments with projects. The pleasure very much is a happy emotion. Along with that is the emotion of gladness. So being grateful for your opportunities, for your blessings, for people in your life, for access to resources. And there are a lot of things to be grateful for. And as you reflect on that, there's a lot of research out there that shows that reflecting on things you're grateful for improves your mood. So it's a pretty helpful um, treatment for managing your mood. Another one that can be challenging for people, um, maybe coming from a more religious context, is the emotion of pride. So pride is a really healthy reaction when you've worked hard and it went well, you can be proud of that. But for many people, they've associated pride with sin or something that's wrong, that you should be humble all the time instead. And for me, it depends on the type of pride. If your pride comes from, I'm better than you and don't need you, I would say, yeah, that's being prideful, probably not that healthy. 
But if it's coming from, wow, I worked really hard and it turned out, like, I feel pretty proud about this accomplishment and feeling proud about your kids and the things they're working on. Um, that's a pretty healthy variation of pride. So if you're someone who's like, oh, I can't ever feel that because that's bad, you may be missing out on some opportunities to evoke more happiness in your life. So those are all the emotions associated, or not all of them, um, but a good set of emotions associated with happiness. So as I pause to check in with myself, it feels good to review these. I have memories that show up and I can think of examples and people, and I feel quite good. I feel pretty energetic. Um, I enjoy feeling happy. It's a really positive feeling to have. So now let's talk about some events that can occur outside of us that may prompt these feelings of happiness. So one thing I'd like you to entertain, if you're someone who's like, wow, I would really like to feel those feelings more often or more consistently, be thoughtful about these types of events that may bring on that feeling and think about what you would like to engage in that may bring on that feeling of an emotion. emotion. The emotion of happiness often is in response to these events. So engaging in these events in your life is within your control and one product or outcome might be happiness. So here we go. Here's some events that can bring on the feeling of happiness. So getting surprised, a wonderful surprise, not someone like jumping out to scare you, um, but having a wonderful surprise. Sometimes getting a letter in the mail from somebody that you care about or having a friend or family member or colleague send you just a short little email or note or message that says, I appreciate you or you worked really hard or I noticed you did this, this was wonderful. Um, getting those little surprises in our life can bring on these emotions. So the other flip side of that is if it feels really good to get those things ourselves, take an opportunity to offer that to other people. Be that wonderful surprise for other people. And that can bring on that emotion of happiness as well. Another one is when the reality around you kind of exceeds your expectations. So I try to be thoughtful of this when I'm going into a movie that I'm really excited about. Um, so there are certain movies I really enjoy. Um, some of the older ones like Lord of the Rings or a new Batman series. Um, I've really enjoyed some of those. So going into those, I try not to form a lot of expectations about what they'd be like. So I've done that with things like Star Wars, with those new movies that I enjoy. My kids love it. And I found that when my expectations are really high, even though the movie probably was quite good and probably pretty close to my expectations, I find that I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, but if I don't really try to overinflate things, I just participate in the experience. I find that I get a lot more satisfaction. Other ways to experience happiness is achieving something that you've worked really hard for or something that you worried about and that you were able to receive it. So this could be working on a project or reaching out, forming relationships in your life. This could be constructing something new around your home or in your yard. So anytime that you work really hard and things work out in your life, it can bring out those emotions. So think about things that are really meaningful for you and just pursuing those in and of themselves can bring in a lot of intrinsic meaning and value, but also upon completion of those, it can be quite fulfilling and satisfying. So being successful at tasks, achieving that desirable outcome. Also other ways that we can receive these feelings of emotion is when 
people respect you or praise you or compliment you. And I found that many of us struggle with receiving compliments or praise. Um, we're a lot better at receiving criticism, and I don't mean that as a compliment, where it's like somebody says, you didn't do that very well, and we fixate on it. We ruminate about it. We think about it all the time. It's like, gosh, i got to make that better. But often when someone says, you did this really well, like, I'm impressed. I wish I had that talent or that ability or that drive. We often kind of keep that from a distance. So what I found is through practice, we're able to receive that praise um, a lot better. So for me, instead of trying to kind of push off a compliment, instead, now I try to just say, thank you. I appreciate that. And I view compliments or praise as more of a gift that somebody's trying to give me. And I recognize that complimenting somebody is a vulnerable act. So it wouldn't feel really good for me to reject their gift and say, no, no, I didn't do good. No, thanks. I don't want to hear that. And so now I try to receive that gift um, in the way that it was intended. And I found that that feels really good. And that's also a connecting experience. But it can be vulnerable to accept that praise. Receiving affection. And this can be from your pets, from your family, from your friends. Um, I'm not someone who really likes a lot of physical affection. Um, I'm not a hugger. I don't even enjoy shaking hands. Um, but verbally, I do appreciate that. Um, so receiving that in. My dog loves affection. So my dog pops up into some of these recordings every once in a while, so you'll see or hear them in the background. And so I try to re reciprocate that physical affection for my dog. If I can make eye contact with her, I mean, she's, she's content. She's delighted, a lot more content. She's euphoric. If I can just have some intense eye contact with her, that's all she wants. Um, she wants to be able to sit on my lap or on my legs. Um, she's happy. Um, so being able to speak other people's love language or helping them receive the affection that works well for them is pretty meaningful. Other ways that can be really fulfilling is having that sense of belonging. So this could be being somewhere where you belong or being around people where you feel like you truly belong. So we know that people that have an experience of thwarted belonging, where they don't feel connected or that they're a part of a group, that is a risk factor for things like depression, um, anxiety, disconnection, loneliness. But having a group of people that are your people, really belonging can be really satisfying. So this could be a group of friends, this could be family members, this could be a church community, a club. Um, for me, mental health professionals are my people. Um, I tend to get along really well with counselors, social workers, psychologists. Um, I enjoy people that are psychologically minded and can share vulnerable things they're going through, um, but also can listen well when we're sharing back and forth. And people that are pretty genuine and present and caring. So I enjoy belonging with those individuals, and that can bring about lots of feelings of happiness. I'm also experiencing pleasurable sensations. So this could be, oh, I almost said it, well, I guess I'll say it anyway, going on a run. Um, I was gonna say that feels really good, but honestly, it doesn't. Um, I don't love running. I love playing sports. I love playing basketball. Um, but I enjoy the pleasurable sensations that occur as a product of running and exercise. Um, my partner, running, is very pleasurable. She enjoys that. For others, it might be getting a massage or enjoying a meal 
or being intimate with a partner. So any of those things can bring about pleasure. So taking those times to enjoy that. Also doing things that can, or bringing things to your mind that could evoke those pleasurable sensations as well. So for me, those could be activities. There are a lot of people that find so much enjoyment from reading books or listening to music um, or spending time outside gardening. And sometimes even just thinking about like, when it's cold and rainy, I'm just thinking about being in my garden. I, I prefer pulling weeds to planting flowers, which might sound odd, um, but there's something cathartic about weeding my garden. And sometimes even just thinking about like, oh, that'd be really nice to go out there and enjoy the sun and kind of nurture my garden and pull weeds. I really enjoy. And something I really enjoy sharing with my partner. So even just thinking about those times can bring about those feelings of pleasure. So those are events outside of you. So if you're like, wow, I'd like to feel um, happiness more or joy or contentment or pleasure. Yeah, consider engaging in those activities or behaviors that could bring that emotion on a lot more commonly for you. I think we forget about that where you may not be able to choose your emotion, but you can choose your behaviors. And there are behaviors that bring on emotions of sadness and emotions of shame. There's also behaviors that bring on emotions of happiness and joy. That part is within your control. So one of the treatments that we do have for depression, they call it behavioral activation, where one of the hallmarks of depression is you might not find interest or joy or pleasure in things that you used to like. But the treatment very much is this, like start doing those things that you enjoyed. And over time, those pleasurable emotions will catch up. So if you love playing music and love playing the guitar and now it's not doing it for you, you actually set goals to pick up your guitar and play, even though initially that may not bring about a lot of happiness or joy. But the more you do that, those emotions will start to catch up. So that is part of it. We can't choose our emotion, but we can't choose our behavior. And those behaviors can impact the emotions that we experience. So internally, so some things that can bring on the feelings of happiness and really, it's as simple as just kind of get out of your way. So don't try to overthink things. Don't try to think, make things better than they are or hold on to happiness more. It really is just being present in these experiences, not overthinking them, not overanalyzing them, not wishing they'd stay forever in this moment, but just being fully present and just experiencing the events as they are. That's kind of the key. So I think this is a challenge now where if you go to social media, you're going to see everybody's videos and photos of their trips and vacations and events. And it's fun to see it and to capture those memories. But what I found for myself is trying to um, chronicle all of these happy events with photos actually takes away from the moment for me and diminishes the impact. And then I'm less likely to probably look at the photos later. I don't get a lot of joy posting those photos online, so that's not the event for me. So I don't take a lot of the photos when I'm at Yellowstone and looking at the Grand Canyon in Yellowstone and the beautiful water, waterfall and seeing bison running across, across the road. I'm not snapping my, my phone. Um, I'm enjoying it, soaking it in. And I found that those sensations can last for quite a while, and you can remember those times 
And sometimes I'll observe other people where they they pull over to the side of the road and quickly take photo and then they move on. It's like trying to capture that emotion of happiness, but instead being present with it um, can evoke that even more. So some of the physical changes that occur as we experience happiness is you might feel excited, have more energy, be more active. You might laugh more. You might even feel flush in your face. Um, for me, I tend to just feel calm all the way through. Um, that feels pretty good. You might feel urges to keep doing things that make you feel happy. You might feel peace. You might feel really open. Um, one thing I notice is when I'm happy, I feel a lot more creative. I'm a lot more likely to sit down and sketch something or work on a project. Um, so all those things are some of the physical changes associated with happiness. And then we also express this emotion. So you can see happiness in other people, but also in yourself. So if you're smiling more or have a kind of a bright face or kind of bouncy or bubbly, and you can see this with my pets, like when I grab that tennis ball and get ready to throw it, my dog is just hopping like a bunny. It's like, that is just pure happiness, pure joy. Um, it's fun to see that. Sometimes my kids, they just can't contain themselves. They're just bouncing. They're so happy. I'm wanting to share this feeling, um, being silly. Um, kids are really good at that. And then adults kind of lose that. Um, but being silly is really important. Um, it's a great way to express these feelings of happiness, but also a way to maintain them and have them go along even, even more. For other people, when they're happy, they want to hug other people. And that's, that's cool for them. I'd say do it if that's another consenting person. For me, I'm not a hugger. Um, it takes a lot for me to be like, oh, yeah, I want to hug you. I'm feeling so much joy. Um, I hug people really close to me, my partner, my kids, sometimes close friends. Um, but outside of that, it's not a way I express it. But for many people, hugging is a big part of that. Saying positive things, being enthusiastic. I keep noticing my voice. Like I'm talking really fast and I've got a lot of energy and it's pretty high. And I'm talking a lot. Yeah, those are all expressions of sadness. And then sadness, it has after effects just like sadness and shame. So some of the after effects of happiness are quite wonderful, where people tend to be more courteous. You might be more friendly, maybe a little bit more outgoing. You might see opportunities to serve other people or to be nice to them. You might see the bright side or have a more positive outlook. You might um, be less annoyed or worry a little less. You also might start to remember other times in your past where you felt joy, where you felt really good. So it can go in the past, but also in the future. You might be pretty excited about what comes next. And so that's something that I've experienced where um, I'm not a morning person for different reasons, um, but I do get up and I actually really enjoy going to work. I get excited to meet people, even though they're probably gonna talk about difficult things, challenging things. I'm excited to engage in that. Um, I enjoy that connection. I get a lot of fulfillment and a lot of meaning from that. But also I like working on projects. I like learning new things. So even today I came across a couple new articles on the intersection between sexuality and perceived addiction to things like pornography. And there was a whole special edition that had a series of articles from some amazing researchers. And I was super excited. I know that's, that's pretty dorky. But that's an area that I've researched myself, that I work quite a bit in a clinical context with. 
Um, that first Life After Pornography program I put together was based on that intersection between sexuality and religion. And so just seeing that, I'm like, oh boy, I can't wait to read that. Um, I even thought, like, oh boy, tonight, I probably have some time. I could sit down and read those journal articles. Um, so I enjoy that those things can bring on that happiness. So when I'm feeling good, it helps me see the future in a brighter light, but also it helps me think about the things in the past that have gone pretty well. The flip side of that is when we're sad, it does the same thing. It's like, yeah, we remember the sad times and the future looks pretty gloomy too. So if you're someone who has been struggling with lots of feelings of shame or sadness or grief, some of the emotions we've reviewed in the previous podcasts, take some time to think about the people in your life, events around you, situations, memories, hobbies, activities that you could spend more time with, that you could engage in, and start to set a goal to engage in those activities more consistently in your life. And you may start to see that you have a little more control around these emotions of happiness than you thought. So strive for a balance. Don't be like, oh, okay, now I'm gonna be happy all the time and that'll help me not feel these sad emotions. It's like, nope, sadness is still part of life. You still need to feel those as well. But also having a balance, being sad all the time, not the goal. Just like being happy all the time, not the goal. I'd say neither of those would be very healthy. Uh, but being able to experience the spectrum of emotions from the more the positive ones we enjoy to some of the negative ones that are more challenging is health. So I hope this podcast is helpful for you to give you some ideas about the ways that we can experience happiness and the types of things that you can do to cultivate more happiness in your own life. Hey, thanks for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. I know you might be facing some issues in your life or know someone who is. Issues like anxiety, challenges in dealing with emotions, or other compulsive behaviors like unwanted pornography. And I know it's tough to talk to people about problems. Difficult to stare those obstacles down that we face in life and to really know how to deal with them. It's hard to know what to say and when to say it. And then when that moment you finally reach out to family and friends happens, sometimes it falls flat. I haven't found many programs teaching effective strategies like mindfulness, how to improve relationships, and ways to address unwanted pornography viewing through research-supported principles. So whether you simply want to help with a problem like unwanted pornography, difficulty responding to emotions, or just want to understand the world of someone struggling with porn a little better, head over to lifeafterpornography.com and get in on the next training. There you'll learn the exact same strategies individuals addicted to pornography used to transform their lives by implementing principles from evidence-based treatment shown effective in research for reducing unwanted pornography viewing. You'll learn the secrets, the myths, the enemies to recovery, and the LAP framework for dealing with unwanted porn viewing that we call WAVE. If that's something that interests you, click the link in the description or just head over to lifeafterpornography.com. I'm Dr. Cameron Staley. See you on the inside.